What's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Ray Talks Live. If you are new, please hit that subscribe button so that you know when a new episode drops. Tonight, I'm going to talk about something I think is very important. And if you've been a follower of my podcast, you know I do a lot of podcast episodes that deals with education. I've cracked jokes about it at times. Being a teacher, being an educator, the issues and the problems at times of being an educator. But I think tonight, I'm going to talk about something that's very important. I'm not going to say it's not talked about, but I'm going to say it's overlooked big time. And that is the mental health for teachers, you know, the mental health for educators. Because a lot of times we talk about mental health, and especially since COVID-19 and especially since the lockdown happened almost two years ago now. We talk a lot today in today's society about mental health, the mental health of the workers, mental health of parents, mental health of everybody else, the mental health of children. But the one job that doesn't seem to really get the same exposure, in a sense, is the mental health for the educators themselves. So I'm going to talk about a few things that I think is very important for educators and for our mental health, especially being an educator now for over 10 years. It's just not talked about that much. So I'm going to talk about a few things that I think a lot of times people or society in general overlook about the work that teachers do. And then I'm going to talk about a few things that if you are an educator and you're listening to this podcast, I want to give you just a few tips I think that can help you and some of the things that I've done over a couple of years to say, in a way, keep your sanity almost in a sense, especially when you're teaching and especially given me that I teach high school. So depending on this, the year and my class size, I may have up to 250, sometimes maybe 300 kids you know, rotating through my classroom door. So let's go through a few things. I think it's still without saying, without any issue that educators are underpaid. Teachers are not paid their full value. I really think people don't understand the amount of work and stress and the many hats that teachers wear in the classroom and just in general. You know, I think people just think that we just sit there, we're a glorified babysitter, but in a way, that's not the case. You know, we're trying to teach the future. You know, we're trying to teach the future leaders of this country or productive citizens of this world, but we're not paid. You know, and when you think about it, for you to be the doctor, the lawyer, judges, the CEOs, and everything else, someone had to teach you. And that someone who had to teach you was a teacher. You know, and why can't we get paid? And, you know, considering where you may teach, considering the size of your school district or where you live, you know, your salary is dependent upon that. You know, yes, I'm blessed to work in Miami-Dade County Public Schools, which is the fourth largest school district in the United States. And I just so happen to live in the county above it, in Broward, that is the sixth largest school district in the United States. So I'm pretty blessed to be living in a county, but also working in a county that are in the top six largest school districts in this country but teachers are not paid it can be said without any question that if you become a teacher you're definitely doing it not to get paid you're not doing you're not becoming a teacher to be rich you know educators are not sitting at the top of the salary board for a lot of jobs you know so what are educators why are we not getting paid you know i i make a pretty good salary you know i know how to make some things work while I teach throughout the school year. But 
You know, we're not just paid. You know, teachers do a lot. And a lot of that comes into my next thing, which is teachers are overworked and are overstressed. You know, people really don't understand the amount of work that teachers do in planning lessons, planning activities. And, you know, I could imagine, you know, if you're an elementary school teacher, the amount of work that you have to go through and what you have to plan. Then being a middle school teacher and high school teacher, you know, you may have six to eight classes. And, you know, you're talking about anywhere from 20 to maybe 30 kids, maybe 40 kids coming in and out that you have to know, you got to plan for, you got to grade, and you got to do. And then you're talking about all the meetings, and you talk about parents trying to deal with classroom discipline and all of it. And it just, it overworks you, and as well as it overstress you, because then also you have your administration breathing down your neck, telling you, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. We need to get these scores up. We need better data or data, however you want to say it. And it's just like, wow, where can I decompress myself? Where can I just relax for a minute, you know, and just teach? And that's something that is just not there right now, you know. And another thing with this being overworked, overstressed, comes the huge workload, as I was just saying, but also the class sizes. Class sizes are really important because how can you expect a teacher to try to teach students if you have 20, 25, 30, 35, or even 40 plus kids in a classroom? How can you reach each and every kid? You know, I'll give you a perfect example. One of the courses that I teach is Cambridge History, you know, the U.S. history version of that Cambridge History exam. And I remember just before I switched into teaching that role, I was teaching ninth graders, a world history class. And I remember my second period class, the first block of the day for even classes, I had over a roster of over 40 kids, all right, over 40 kids in the classroom. And the classrooms in our new school that we moved into that year, actually, wasn't even that big. I mean, for the most part, it was maybe the average size of an American house living room or dining room. It wasn't that big. So trying to squeeze 40 kids into a classroom that only had about 30 five chairs in there, you know, and at a table, you know, it was it was just crazy, you know. And it unfortunately it got to the point where I had to tell kids, look, it was first come, first serve. If you just didn't make it, you just didn't get a chair. You had to go to another classroom, borrow a chair to sit down and you were just up against the wall, unfortunately. But class sizes, even though there are amendments, class size rule amendments, I know especially here in Florida, you're not supposed to have no more than twenty five, but if you teach a core class, like, for example, I do, you can have an additional five kids. So that gives you a total of 30. But obviously, that's not the case with administration. They still going to find a way to put extra kids. They make them add, make the counselors add other kids into the class. And you just say, like, you're adding kids without space. I don't have desks. How do you expect me to teach these kids? You know, so class size is really a big thing. One of the other things that is a big problem that stresses teachers out it's this unrealistic expectation from administration with testing results, especially, you know, the 2020, 2021 school year where everybody was pretty much either virtual or on Zoom or might be Microsoft Teams or whatever the case may be. Let's just say that school year was a complete loss because let's be real. There was really a lot of less engagement. I mean, I remember there were times when I would do Zoom and even if I dismissed kids halfway through the class of a 90-minute block, 
they did all their work. We did what we did. And I said, hey, you guys have the rest of the day off or have a great weekend. Enjoy to get a start on your weekend. I would still have maybe two or three kids still in the Zoom. And I'm like, yo, you know you can leave, right? You know you can go. You don't have to stay in here anymore. And that tells you that kids would just sign on and just disappear. And, you know, but administration has this thing that, oh, the kids are going to pick up right where they left off before we went on lockdown. The kids' knowledge, their content, their understanding of everything is right there where it was before we left. And, like, come on, let's be real. You know and I know they were not learning. A lot of these kids, were they took full advantage of the, of the situation. They understood all I got to do is sign in and I can walk away. I, I can sign in. I can turn on my TV and not pay attention because that's what it was. Just the unrealistic expectations. Like, let's be real. And then, of course, testing itself. Now, I can only speak for testing in my state here in Florida with our Florida Standards Assessment Test. To me, ever since this happened, and even when we had the test prior to that FCAT, I've always said it's useless and it's worthless. I understand, you know, you want to make sure that kids are learning. You want to get a idea to make sure that they do have some kind of learning and understanding. But when you have a test that is withholding kids from graduating because a kid don't know algebra or because a kid can't write that well, and especially writing on a prompt that they can't even identify with or don't have no clue what it's talking about, it's like, what's the point? And then more important, as I've said before, when these students go out for job interviews or even apply to college, no one's not going to ask them, hey, what was your FSA writing score? What was your FSA math score? No one's not going to care about that. And, you know, and if, like I said, if you've been listening to my podcast, I have a podcast episode where I talked about, like, are we really preparing our high school seniors for the real world? And you can go into the playlist and listen to that if you didn't. But what is the purpose of testing? I understand it, you know, but leave that more to the teachers in the classroom. I remember being a student. Back in the day, and especially in high school, it was midterms and finals where the teachers did the testing. And, you know, the only test I did that determined where I would truly get my high school diploma was known as the HSCT, a high school competency test. Basically just knowing, hey, do you know reading and do you know math? Do you know enough how to read? Do you know enough how to do math to go out there and be successful in the real world at best? And you leave it at that. So... And then the last thing I'm going to say about issues that I think people don't understand when it comes to education, because, you know, one, a lot of people think, oh, being a teacher is easy. And I always will tell someone, listen, you can sign up and be a visitor. I will give you the lesson, and I will leave the classroom and let you teach the 20-some, 30-some kids in my classroom. And if you can survive that, then maybe you are right. Let's be real. Most of us cannot deal with being a teacher, especially dealing with the attitudes and the talk back and just the, the, the foolishness and the craziness that you get in the school building. Most people won't do it. But more importantly, I think that many people, and I think this is something that is very general, I think a lot of people in this world really believe or tend to think that teachers themselves don't have kids, don't have families. You know, I think people think that teachers are just robots and don't understand that, you know, we have a life, 
you know, we have our own issues that we have to deal with outside the classroom as well. But we have kids too. You know, I mean, I'm a father of three kids. My wife is also a teacher. And sometimes we just are just tired. And, you know, and I remember just two years ago, the principal in my high school, the retirement for one of the ESE teachers said something that was so, it just hit me. Like, it, it was just like, wow. And it made me really think, like, I need to really rethink what I'm doing somewhat. He said that, you know, the one, we as teachers give so much of ourselves to our students. You know, we're here either first thing in the morning or here after school doing this, doing that for our students. But when we go home, we don't have that same energy for our own kids. And when he said that, it hit me so hard. And I thought to myself, like, that is so true. I give so much of myself to all my classes, to the students, to the clubs that I'm a sponsor of. But when I get home, I don't have that same energy for my own two kids at the time. And now being three, am I really, I felt like I'm really shortchanging my own kids. And society, for the most part, really thinks that teachers don't have kids themselves. A lot of them just think we're just robots or we're single people. Like, no, we're spouses you know, we're fathers, we're mothers, we have kids ourselves that need our own attention, need our love, need our everything, but a lot of times we can't do it because why? We give so much to our students at work, all right? So those are some of the things I think people need to understand that what teachers go through, and now I'm going to talk about a few things that would, if you are a teacher yourself, listen to this podcast, here are some things I think you can do to try to help yourself with your mental health. One, you got to take those mental health days off. You know, when you're not feeling, you know, you don't you get up and you're just not feeling it, listen, call in, take the day off. You know, that's why we have those days, or that's why you accrue the sick and vacation time to take a day off here and there. You know, I'm not saying just take days off, just to be taking days off, but you know, when you really have that moment where you feel burned out, you feel like, I just don't have the energy this morning to go in that classroom and do what I got to do, take that day off, you know, because as much as the schools or administration will tell you, we care about you, make sure you take care of yourself, they don't personally give a damn, because I look at it like this, if I was to drop dead that day, within the next two days, they're going to have somebody in my classroom, you know, teaching, already filled. Like, let's be real. So you got to take care of yourself first. And I know we have this thing where we're trained to look for the mental issues of our students and then refer them to the trust council and whatnot. But what about ourselves? You know, who is going to take care of us if we don't take care of ourselves? You know, so if you have that moment where if you can't get up and give your all like you normally would, just take that day off. Call in and take that day off, you know. All right, next, and I think this is also very important, don't take work home. Don't take work home. You know, I know, as, and believe me, I've been there as a high school teacher, and at one point, you know, where my high school, we have eight periods where the majority of high schools may do six periods, six classes, and I remember for two years in a row, I taught all eight periods. So I didn't have no break, no planning, no nothing. The only time I had a break was that 40-minute lunch, and that was it. 
I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I loved the kids those two years that I taught, but I gave so much of myself that definitely at the end of each year, I was burnt out. I was I was exhausted. But and sometimes when it came to it, I had to I took work home to grade. And honestly, when I got home, the work just sat on the on my dining room table. And so I just came to this thing. Don't take work home. Just leave it at work. Because look here, it's going to be there when you come back or you come the next day. Just leave it there, you know. And I just got to the point where I just don't do it, you know. Just don't take work home. Don't bring it home. Leave it there. Leave it at work. Next up I'm going to talk about is another tip is, especially if you are a new teacher, a rookie, or say maybe you're, in your, you're still in those early years, you need to try to find yourself or pair yourself up with a great veteran teacher or a mentor who you can talk to and who can also is willing to walk you through the school year, you know, to help calm you down. And I was blessed that when I started at my school where I've been at now for eight years, the department chair was that person for me, you know, who was my mentor. Well, I mean, you know, I've been in the system for a couple of years, but she still served as that mentor because, you know, it was my first year in this new school. So you got to learn the culture. And one of the things I've always been growing up is that I believe in passing along wisdom, passing along knowledge to other people. So when newer teachers have came into the social studies department, I try to impart a little bit of wisdom to them. And particularly one teacher, she constantly lets little things get to her. You know, she's always, oh, these kids, da 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 or administration, da 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 And I've told her, I say, listen, you got to calm down. You got to stop walking out your classroom hollering and cursing or whatever about what a kid did or what a kid's doing because you don't know who's right outside your door or right down the hall listening or hearing you. You know, you got to learn to talk, not take things seriously. Like the one thing I learned at my school, and it's still accurate even though I'm now on my third principal, they know who to F with. And I'm speaking of administration, and maybe a lot of you who are educators understand it. Administrators who sometimes have their own hidden agendas, they know who they can mess with. They know who they can F with. And if they see they could get under your skin, they're going to do it. But you got to find that great veteran teacher who can teach you a few tricks of the trade, who can teach you how to get around things and how to relax yourself. And just more important, someone who can just talk to and relax. and don't try to take everything on by yourself. You know, that's what you got to find. You got to find that veteran teacher or that mentor who you can go to, who you can talk to, and who can help walk you through and keep you calm. All right? And then the same thing could be with a very supportive spouse or friends who can also help you as well get through things. You know, your spouse may not work in education. You know, they may work in something else. But they can help you calm down as well. You know, they could be your venting board. They could be someone who just listens to you. And that's what you got to do. Your friends as well who are willing to maybe go out to the bar and have a, a beer with you or drink wine with you to some degree or maybe go catch a movie or go to the beach or something. You know, that's what you got to do. And then lastly, just don't take things so seriously. You know, just don't take it so seriously. And that piggybacks off of not letting things stress you out as much, you know. You can only do what you can do. Whatever don't get done, it get done tomorrow. So it's the same thing when I say, like, hey, don't take work home. It'll still be the tomorrow when you come in to work. Leave it at that. Don't take things seriously. You can only control what you can control. 
So I always look at it like this. If I can't directly change it or directly impact it, meaning that it doesn't directly affect me and what I do in my classroom, I'm not going to stress that. You know, I'm not going to let that get to me. Why? Because I can't do anything about it. That's a decision you're making for the whole general population, the whole general school. If it's not something that's going to affect me and what I do in my classroom, don't take it so seriously. Just relax. All right? So those are just some of my tips to help you as a teacher to deal with mental health. And mental health is very important. Even I have now started to look more and more at it. Because, yes, I could, like I tell my students, I can tell when you as a student, something's wrong because the way you come in my room is how I get to know you. And when you, that one day you come in my room not the way how you normally came in, I know something's wrong. Either something happened the period before or something just happened right there in the hallways or something happened at home or something is, you know, bothering you. I can tell. But who can then help the teacher when you notice what the teacher is doing is not the same? So mental health is very important. And I hope that this episode helps many people and even if you're not someone who is a teacher but if you know someone's a teacher and you love my podcast tell them to listen to it you know so some of the things i'm doing with ray talks live i'm a top mentor on join wisdom which is a site you can go to and listen to talks or even join live conversation talks with top mentors of many different fields so one of my plans i'm getting that situated is i want to probably try to do once a week, you know, where I'll do a live broadcast, a live Q&A, or just a live interaction where, you know, if you're an educator, you just want a little more tips, a little more insider notes, you know, feel free. And I'm going to let you know that on my podcast. But then also, you have Ray Talks Live itself. Like I said, if you go through my playlist, I have many episodes talking about education in many different ways, from are we preparing seniors for the real world, as I said earlier. I also did a three-part series talking about parents teachers, and COVID-19, which basically was a snapshot of how teachers were praised at the end of the 2019-2020 school year, but then when the 2020-2021 school year started and teachers were like, hey, I don't want to go in the classroom just yet because COVID is real serious, all of a sudden we were the bad guys. You know, we were the ones who were lazy, who didn't want to work, and then I closed it out at the end with a part three, so you can go back and listen to those. But If you love this podcast and you love what I'm talking about, definitely hit that subscribe button. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Ray Talks Live. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ray Talks underscore live. And if you want, always feel free to drop me an email at Ray Talks Live at gmail.com. And with that, I am out.